The Damn Podcast is brought to you by the Influential Grooming Lounge. It's more than just a barbershop. It's where influencers elevate each other and the community meets. Welcome everybody into another episode of The Damn Podcast with your hosts Marcus Greaves and Angie Machado. Before we get started, Angie, do you have a quick announcement for us? I do. Um, We are taping this on a Sunday. Um, First of all, Marcus, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you uh, too. It was good, but we'll get into that in a minute. But I have an important announcement because Beaver Blitz, we don't do sales and specials very often, but we are running a Cyber Monday special. Um, I know there's a ton of you guys on the damn podcast and you're diehard listeners and you listen all the time, but you need to take the next step and become a member of Beaver Blitz because we take, Marcus and I take what we talk about once a week on the pod and then we like expand upon everything in the lodge of Beaver Blitz. So, um, Take a, take a second, join us. Cyber Monday sale is sign up for an annual subscription and take 50% off. So it's, it's a sweet deal. Um, if you're currently a monthly subscriber and you're paying the $9.95 a month, if you upgrade to the um, annual subscription, you'll get 50% off. So um, great deal. The story will hit t- tonight at midnight So um, or Monday morning at midnight. It runs all day. So um, stay tuned for that. All right. Well, there's that. Angie, it's time to get into the most painful part of our job. (laughs) Not only did I talk so much smack around the office because I really thought that Oregon State was going to come out and play, I I didn't place any bets, so that's nice. But I, like I said, I was talking a lot of smack to a lot of people, and it did not work out for me, that's for sure. That game was, not only was it embarrassing, but... I feel like for the most part this season, I've I've had a very positive outlook and tried to find the positives out of every situation and every game, even if it's been either a blowout or, you know, there's some players who play good. But this one, it was hard to swallow. Not only was it because it was the Civil War, but it was the fact that, you know, you kind of build up all season and like you're like, OK, this is the game where if anything great is going to happen, it'll happen here. Like, even if they didn't win, right, we'd like to see a handful of positives, but there wasn't a lot, Angie. There really wasn't, and I think that was the most disappointing part. I know Coach Smith is probably disappointed. You know, obviously the seniors are disappointed. That's a terrible way to go out. Um, Even, you know, the star players I didn't think played their best game, so that's kind of where I was a little disappointed, a little upset, because I just wanted to see somebody at least come out and show me that, okay, even if the season is lost, right, we're not making it to a bowl game, the seniors are, are not going out on a good record. At least we're at home in research. And that's another thing, Angie, is I saw the crowd before the game, and I think that was disappointing too. Because oh, completely. There, I, I made the nobody. comment. I think Eric got tired of hearing it from me because I was so disappointed in so many levels of, of Saturday or Friday. Um, the crowd size. And I, I mean, I get it. I, I get it completely, Beaver fans. But to see how far this program has fallen, um, that Civil War really wasn't even for either side. It was – Blase, the crowd wasn't into it. And honestly, Oregon State has lost the home field advantage. Right. There is none. I mean, they actually have played better this year, last year, for the past several years, actually, on the road. And that's that's sad. That's hard, um, I think, for those of us that have been around this program for a long time to see that um, this is fallen that bad. And, I mean, granted, it, it was the day after Thanksgiving. I get all that. So we, we got to put that into consideration. But it just sucks because I feel like, it's oh, you know that game is always packed. Like no matter what the records are for the teams, you know they're always packed. And it, I follow a couple guys um, who are like the Duck Riders and who do a lot of stuff for the Ducks. And 
even here at the station, I was talking to Andy Johnson, who's a big duck guy, and he was like, man, the crowd, like, not only for Oregon State, but for the Ducks. Both, like, yeah. yeah, both sides just didn't show up. And I get it. Like, Oregon State wasn't going to a bowl game. The Ducks weren't playing great. But, Angie, again, what is the comment I hear when I was watching the game is Oregon State, you know, the Ducks have been struggling with this. The Ducks have been struggling with that. And then they come out and obviously they, they have their best game, it looks like, <laughs> all season. But, Angie, kind of give – I just want to know your takeaways because I know for a fact I'll probably – I don't want to, but I'll probably rant a little bit. But uh... <laughs> well, I'm probably going to rant too. And I, I have been in a pissy mood since the game Friday, and I hate that. I have just been in a grouchy, grumpy mood, and it, you know it's not fun. But you know that defense. I'm sorry, but that was probably the worst defensive performance I have ever seen out of an Oregon State team ever. And that's 20, 25 years of watching Beaver football. That's Pettibone years. I mean, to know when when Burmeister comes in the second half and you know they don't want I mean he's not a good quarterback you know they're going to pat they're going to hand off every single time in fact he attempted two pass plays the entire second half Marcus and Oregon State could not stop the run now now get this their running backs the two, the two big ones uh, Travis Dye and CJ Verdell they accumulated 23% of their total season yards in one game against Oregon State and that's just painful. 23% of their entire freaking season. I'm sorry, but Oregon State, I mean, I sat there in the press box, Marcus, and you, you know they're going to run, and they were running straight up the middle and gou- gouging Oregon State for five, six yards, a pop. Unbelievable, unacceptable, and, um, you know, I, I don't know where you go from here. Right, and – so a lot of, and a lot of people were saying, you know, why don't you just bring, right? Why don't we just stack the box, bring the blitzes and everything like that, which in my opinion, right, that would, you know, or for people watching, that would be the right thing to do. But, you know, some people have to realize, and just to break it down some more, your blitzes really only work, right? When you bring exotic blitzes, as a lot of people say. So if you either blitz like the A gap, right where the center is, you bring on the outside, regardless the defensive line, like, you need their help because if not, then you just clog it up and then they bounce outside for more yards and everything like that. So a lot of people are coming at Coach Tibizar and saying, you know, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you changing up the scheme? But you have to look at it from his point of view that we have stacked the box before to stop the run, and what has happened, the defensive line just doesn't get anything. And so from there, the linebackers are, are facing, even if they come in on a blitz, it doesn't look like they come in on a blitz because they're getting pushed back, they're arm tackling. And so when they – and that's another thing is that the tackling in that game was absolutely terrible. It was horrid. There's so many times where, you know, a linebacker, uh, safety, or anybody could really – they could make a play on the ball and they didn't because uh, I tweeted during the game is that, you know, people are like, man, why is the tackling so bad? But it's it's almost not the tackling. It's the fact that – they, they just can't get off a block. So when you're getting blocked, there's a guy on you. You have one arm free. At the same time, you're getting pushed back and expected to tackle somebody who's running right full speed at you. It's not going to work. And that's the problem is the defensive line can't get off their blocks. The linebackers, well, since they can't get off their blocks, then it makes it that much yeah, harder. For the linebackers line. can't get off their blocks either. Yeah. I, I spent a lot of, yeah, I mean, it was disaster. The middle linebackers really, really struggled. Yeah, and so to sum up the 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 blitz not bringing right not bringing the blitzes is the fact that if you bring the blitz like you know I thought they should have, 
but nobody showed up in the front seven, then once you get past the first line, then it's just the safeties. And, you know, I guess Coach Tibbsar would rather have people being back and let them chunk away at yards rather than giving up the home run right? like they did every single time against, I don't know, like they gave up big plays against Cal and really everybody this season. But it was just disappointing, Angie, because defensively you're like, you have to figure something out. I I definitely feel for the coaches because I think a lot of the times we focus so much on the coaches and not mm-hmm. the players, but you have to realize at a certain point the coaches can only do so much, right? You can only scheme so much until it comes down to – you know, a player needs to make a play, and that gets me into my next point. Angie, I swear on everything, at least one time a game, a team scores on a wheel route. And anyone who's listened to this, that <laughs> every week you you mention the same, and it's the same player. It dri- yeah, and it drives me absolutely insane. Like I, it seriously makes me want to like run into my TV every time I watch it because all you have to do, if you know you're playing, man, why right like. Why run full speed at him when he doesn't have the ball, right? And I know you want to deroute him and everything like that. But if a running like if you get beat on the wheel route, best believe teams are going to continue to do the wheel route until you can stop it, which unfortunately for that player he has not been able to stop it. So three consecutive weeks we've seen teams score on that. And I hate seeing it more than anything and it drives me insane. It makes me I don't even know what to do. I don't know if I should have got drunk or I don't know if I should have ran through my TV. I don't know if I should have turned it off, but I obviously couldn't, but enough of the defense. We know they were super bad, but Angie, this is kind of the next thing before we switch over to offense because we can kind of do the same thing, but kind of where do you think that they should go from here? Where, like, do you kind of clean house defensively? Because there's some really good defensive players. It's just the fact that a defense can't be good until everyone does their job correct, right? And even if you're out of position by maybe a half a yard, that would that would be better than guys really blowing their assignments and not being able to tackle. So, Angie, where do you think the defense should go from here? Well, I, you know, I honestly, I don't know, because I think it's a major mess right now. Um, you know, I, I, Coach Smith, I, I asked the question in the post-game press conference because Oregon State defense gave up over 500 yards every single Power 5 opponent they played. Every single one was over 500 yards. That's so And Southern, Southern Utah they gave up 488 yards, almost 500 against a total lower level opponent. So, um, you know, I asked him, I said, do you evaluate a staff? Do you, um, you know, he said, I evaluate staff all season. Um, you know, some people think coaching changes, you know, from, from my viewpoint, I get, you know, I get, he's sticking with a long-term plan, but at some level you need to win some ball games. And that means maybe not being so stubborn in your plan and changing things up to help those guys succeed in a, in a scheme or, or some plays that will help them better stop the run. I get it. They're overmatched. They're undersized. But at, at some level, that's on coaching mm-hmm. because I didn't see any improvement from week one to week 12. And that, to me, is demoralizing because, you know, you're, you're a program that you're trying to build and you need new players. But at some level – you got to keep the fans engaged. This is this is your five right now. I mean, um, Eric posted a, a thread on Beaver Blitz. Seventy-five missed practice days now because Oregon State hasn't been to a bowl since 2013. So you get those December 15 practices. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's an extra time to get better. Obviously, that's, that's an entire spring camp that Oregon State is missing every single year. And this is a team that could use those extra practices. You know, this is a, a team that's relying on development of guys. Um, 
to me, it just seems like something needs to tweak because whether, you know, the coaches are, are teaching a certain way or not, either it's not getting through to the players. So they, so they have to figure out a way to communicate differently or, they really need to figure some a different scheme out to help these guys because it doesn't matter. You I, you can say all day long, I'm, well, we're building for, you know, we want to teach these guys our system, but your system's not working right now and you're going to lose fans. You're going to lose recruits because all they've seen is teams gouging them for 500 plus yards. A game. Right. And uh, Jaquiz Rogers tweeted something uh, during the game. And I don't know if you saw that. But I did. Was, I did. It, it was, was true. On. Yeah. Oh, it was spot on. I would love to play against that defense. I think right now with some bum legs, that I have, I think I could. I think I could put over one fifty. That's just I don't know actually, <laughs> but but uh, I mean that that's that's you know where they're at right now. I mean after the USC game, you know we were down on the field and you you overhear USC players one talking to another saying, "Dude, are you getting scared there?" And and this you know they were kind of catching up, and the guy's like, "Dude, no, their defense sucks." Right, and I mean, that's that's where Oregon State is right now, like it or not, and you know I so I guess you know you you got to go hard with JUCOs. I mean Coach Smith says he. He doesn't want to have to rely on, on heavy JUCOs, that he wants to build this thing and have years in the program. But right now, if I'm him, I'm going out and finding any player, a, a grad transfer, anyone that can get in here and play immediately because this team needs so much help. Right, and they really do. So I'll start with the coaches defensively. From my point of view, you know, I get where they're coming from. But, you know, you I think – too many times that we put it too much on the coaches, like I was saying. And Angie, you have a—I mean, you make a great point, right? If we didn't see any improvement, you kind of scratch your head and question, like, so what have you guys been doing all season? But and I don't want to say that they're being lazy, right? Right. And I, and I don't think they are. I think it just comes down to, right, at a point you're like, as a coach, you oh, you coach so much, you're like, okay, like this is exactly how you tackle. Show me how to do it, and they do it in practice, right? And you're like, okay, show me how to do this, show me how to do that. Every every basic thing that you have to teach a player, right? And then it comes down to you watch them into the game, and you're like, what are these guys doing? And it goes back to the exact same thing, because I know for a fact Coach Bray has has probably ripped part of his hair out, and it probably has a bunch of gray hair from those wheel routes. And, you know, so many times in practice, you watch film, you watch film, you watch film, you practice it, you practice it, you practice it, and they do it perfectly fine. Right. And then it comes down to being in the game and then they don't do it. Right. And that's kind of how it usually goes. But I'm, you know, I know for a fact they're frustrated. And I know Coach Smith is probably frustrated with the staff too. Like, hey, man, like, why can't they get this? Why is this happening? But at the end of the day, I'm going to, you know, I'll split it 50 50. Obviously, it's on the coaches too and it's on the players. And I think the, the whole, you know, the whole um, Oregon State team and staff, they all know that. But, it comes down to, and I'll always put it on the players because the players are the ones making the plays. And see, I mean that's that's admirable. But see, I guess I take another. Uh, t- you know, this staff kind of has what they inherited, and I uh-huh. get that. Yeah. But at the same time, this staff's making a hell of a lot of money. Yeah. To, oh, absolutely. To guys, you know, to make these guys perform. You know, now now comes the hard part, right? Because that's just it. These players are great guys. They are. You know, we've talked to them. We've gotten to their families. Great kids. They represent Oregon State. You know, and doing our senior salute this this week was so much fun and, and kind of bittersweet because these guys haven't had the, the careers they've wanted. But at the end of the day, there's coaching that, you know, you hope that your coaches are going to make these guys better from game one to game 12. 
especially when we're seeing the same guys in the lineup. You, you know, at some point, like I saw Connor Kelsey on a special teams play, long snapper, run down the field and make a huge hit. I, I shook my head and I'm like, okay, put that guy in right now, second half, make him a linebacker. Yeah. You know, we've got a half a season left or a half a game left. What, I mean, what harm is it going to do? I mean, we saw the same guys making the same mistakes. It's, it got old. You're right, and that and that's that's on the coaches too. It's like, listen, we get it, right? If you think he's the best player, then he has to, pr- and he doesn't prove that, then you have to put him out. And I think that's yeah, been the biggest I, I thing. Get it, for, you know? Yeah, I mean, gosh, we, did we even see? I mean, we saw Trajan Cotton like tiny bit, Moku Watson a little bit. Um, you know, so many guys that you know, and maybe they aren't in practice. Maybe they're not performing like some of the other guys, but. In the games, the guys that you think are supposed to, that are going to be contributing are not getting the job done. So, what harm is it going to do to throw in somebody else? Right. It can't get much worse. Exactly, and so that that's where I would say it's on the coaches for sure. But if I've been, and this is what I think this is what pisses me off so much, Angie, and I don't know if it's the some of the player like I know because I know for a fact you see a guy like Hamika Rashid right and you could tell that he gives he gives his all. Jalen Moore yeah. gives their all like all. these guys and. You could see it. I remember watching C.J. Verdell run the touchdown right up the middle, and I saw Jalen Moore just – he was so mad. He was yelling at somebody, and but that's what you have to see because he's demanding people to be good. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying is it's not a – and it's on the coaches too, right, because if you guys aren't putting the right guys out there, then it's not going to change. We're going to see the same results on defense. So that is on them for sure. But I just don't understand, like, listen – if any player is listening, if you want to be the cool guy, get all the likes on Instagram, get all the cool pictures so you can post. And like I said, you want to be the cool guy, go to the parties. People are like, oh, my God, that's whoever, whoever on campus. Then you could do that. But but just stay off the field because I know for a fact that – and it's that's the thing. The former players, and I know they're frustrated too. I know the fans because we've all – you know, we've all sacrificed every – you know, we've sacrificed. We've laid down the the foundation and – even even me, right? I wasn't the star running back, but I know for a fact when I was in, either a running back blocking, if I did get the ball, if I was on special teams, I'm giving my all because I'm like, okay, if I have to make the sacrifices now, so we're so Oregon State's better later, then I'm willing to do that. But if you just want to be the cool guy on campus, then by all means, just go walk on at like a U Dub and then be on their bench and then post all that and whatever you want to do because I just get so tired of seeing these guys who just want to be the cool guys. And I've said before, what's cool is winning games. Like, that's why I'm saying when, when or you could see, and it, ugh, I hated watching it, but you see Oregon State, like you see some guys talking smack to the Ducks, and the Ducks don't respect us. They don't. They really don't. No. And it's not, no. even a, it's not a fact that it's, that it's a civil war and you're, and you're trying to be, right, you're trying to be the tough, cool guy, but you haven't earned their respect. You haven't. You don't put up a fight. You haven't. Like, if you don't put up a fight, who's going to respect you? That's why those USC players are saying, yeah, man, I'm not worried because they suck. Even if the game is close, like, defensively, these guys aren't getting any better. And it's because yeah. they don't want to get better. If you're not willing – if you are if you would much rather go out after a loss than be pissed off and cry and, right, some people are saying, you know, that's – you know, you have to put yourself – like, you got to get under control, whatever, like – but that's what you need to do. Like, if you don't care like that, then don't play. Like, I don't care. Like, and that's the kind of, I think that's what the defensive coaches and Coach Smith really need to sit down and see is, listen, man, if you're not willing to give us what you what we want you here for, 
then leave. I don't know if coaches yeah. can really just take, tell players, and I'm sure they can't, be like, listen, man, we don't want you anymore. Like, go go somewhere else, right? And coaches say that, but you still have the scholarship. And, yeah, if you want to get your school paid for, cool. Like I've said before, then do that. Get your school paid for. Don't get me wrong. I would milk that too. But don't bring that onto the field. Don't let that show on the field because some guys, I'm not going to call any names, but you could tell that that's exactly what they're doing. And I hate it because you see those JUCO guys, and I think Coach Leach and all those guys that have had struggling programs and then brought them up towards the top, they've seen that, that okay, if we have to bench the guys who fans like to see so we can actually win some games, then we'll do that. When you see some guys who are, who are the big-name guys on campus but they're not producing in the games, you have to bench them. Like it gets yeah. to a point where what would you rather do? Would you rather see your team have a lot of guys that people like, like you have the nice guys? Yeah, I get that. Or would you rather win games? And I think that's the point that it hit with the last staff is that they weren't willing to put the better players ahead. They were, they would rather have the guys who get fans in the seats. And I get that if you have an electrifying player, but every one you know every once in a while he makes a big play, but he's not doing his assignment. You have to bench him. You have to because that's the problem, and that has been the problem with Oregon State. And that's why you see guys transfer because let's keep it real, Angie. If Marcus McMarion was still around, and I always bring him up, but we can, you know, we can go down the list. Richard Mullaney goes to Alabama and starts, right? You yeah. see all these guys. If you bring the if if you play the better player, then you're gonna win some more games and the fans are gonna come in because you're winning games. Not yeah. because they wanna see someone, you know, make a big you know, not because we wanna see someone hurdle someone, right? Or someone whatever it is. And yeah. it's just the fact that if I don't, it's just so frustrating because I'm like, what don't these players get? Like, what don't you guys understand? You could say that, yeah, we're, you know, we're not listening to outside noise. Well, at some point you're going to have to, because there's a reason why there's outside noise is because you'd rather go to a party and be the cool guy than win a damn football game. And I hate it. I hate every moment of that. And I know former players hate it and everything, but like at one, at what point do you care? Because if coach Smith has to clean house and be like, listen, man, you could stay on the team, you can keep your your scholarship, but you're not going to play. If that's what it comes down to, then by all means do that because I'm I'm way too tired of watching people disrespect the foundation that all of us former players have laid before because you want to be a cool guy. And that's what I'm saying, Angie. If you want to be a cool guy, then just get off the field, right? Just So I mean, so that's a good question, Marcus. You're you're say you're coach Smith. Do you, you know, over the next couple weeks before before break, there's going to be a lot of meetings and, and recruiting trips for Coach Smith. Do you have those co- hard conversations with guys and just be like, look, you're not going to play? Well, that and that's the thing. Maybe not, you know, sit them down and be like, listen, your results from last season aren't much. You're not going to play. But come wintertime, I would tell him, I'd be like, listen, like we're going to we're going to keep testing guys and stuff like that. For a good example, you know, what did you do wrong at a certain play? And if mm-hmm. a player's like, well, I let him score a touchdown. You're damn right you let him score a touchdown. So what are you going to do to change it? Because if you're going to keep going to a damn party instead of watching film, it's not fun. I get it. But you have to realize some guys are like, this is how they're going to feed their families is with yeah. football. And so they take it more serious compared to guys who maybe, you know, they're like, well, I'm not going to make it to the NFL, but I at least get my school paid for. I hate that mentality. And I know mm-hmm. there's guys on the, on that team that have that mentality. And so – yeah, you have to have those hard conversations. Be like, look, man, like this is it. Say we get a transfer in your position or we get a JUCO guy, I'm starting him. Until you show me something, I'm starting him. And that's what it really has to be. It has to be 
cutthroat. It has to be, listen, guys, you haven't produced for us, and so we're not going to play you until you really change our mind. And I think that's what it has to be. But it's just, I don't want to say they don't have the horses because we've seen that they, at times they really can't compete, but it's just yeah. a care factor. Like, if you aren't willing to care and give a shit about it, then don't play. Like, don't be on the field. Like, if you're going to complain about practice, and I know how that goes because I've been in that. Sometimes yeah. practice is the worst, is the last thing you want to do, or a workout is the last thing you want to do. But you have to realize when you got the Ducks coming into Reeser Stadium, and you could tell by all means that it's like, they're not even talking smack to talk smack. They're talking smack because they don't disrespect, they don't respect you. And that should piss you off, but it doesn't. It didn't piss them off. Because I know for a fact, I guarantee you there's guys who just went out and partied right after. And you're like, yeah. well, then that's the problem. So defensively, yeah, you have to clean house. You have to. Like, have a clean slate and then make everyone who was a starter last year earn your position back. Because they, like, I get it that they are the ones who have a spot to lose, but the eye in the sky does not lie, Angie. So if yeah. you are not doing your assignment and someone comes in and can do it, then you're done playing. I don't even care. That's exactly what I think they need to do. But that's enough defensively. Offensively, it was horrible too. <laughs> it's not much better. Yeah, it wasn't. It really wasn't. So, Angie, and I know a lot of people have kind of been questioning Coach Lingrid at times, so can I just get your offensive takeaways? Yes, please. Let's do it. Let's hear it, Angie. What you got for us? I, you know what? Offensively, it's kind of the same. It was the could not find a rhythm. Um, special teams killed them again because there were times that they, you know, I, I think back to the first half and they drove they drove down the field several times and I think they went for it on fourth once and didn't get it. They tried for a field goal once, didn't get it. Th those kind of things kill momentum in all levels. But, um, you know, offensively it was just the rhythm. Offensive line, and, and what's intriguing to me is Oregon State is a way better running team when Connor Blount's quarterback. If you go back and look, when Jake Luton is the quarterback, they're a better passing team, but they're not a good running team, and vice versa when Blount's in. Totally crazy. I don't know if it's the line. I don't know. But that's just a little thing that we've kind of been watching this season. Um, Coach Lindgren, I thought he's, you know, I'm not really worried about the offensive side of the ball. I think we saw a lot of improvement over a year ago. We saw some identity. They just need to get their horses in. You know, they need their O-line. They need um, a quarterback that um, can run in and pass. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't the, – the big head-scratcher to me was that, what, triple, reverse, whatever yeah. that they ran. I, I, I get it, okay? You know, I, I get that they're gambling. They're trying to make a spark. They're trying to make something happen. But Oregon's defense had been aggressive all day. And do you really want to take a play that basically, you know, goes backward 20 yards before it even <laughs> – I, I, I just, it's just bad all the way, all the way around. And, um you know, somebody joked in the lodge. They said, well, hey, Coach Lindgren, that may have worked against the scout team. But remember, your defense sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I didn't like that one. I, I, you know, I, I do like the fact, though, that they, they can be a little ballsy on their calls. Yeah. You know, and that, that's kind of fun to be a little, you know, it's not going to work all the time. But that one, that was a complete head scratcher because any play that goes backwards 20 yards before it gets even a chance to go, it, it doesn't work out well, but that one got was like the laughing stock then of every football game. Basically, I watched yesterday. I saw that clip, you know, pop up. It was on game day, as you know, you had one job during that segment, and not pretty. Yeah, but see, and I and I get where the frustration can come because if you do a play like that and it doesn't work, then you're right. You guys look like a bunch of clowns, and 
Someone that played literally the only thing someone needed to do was put a tent over that so it looked like a circus because that was horrible. But um, Angie, I really think, I mean, offensively, I if we really, if people are really upset with what Coach Lingren has done, then all I have to say is go back and look at last year on offense. It was atrocious. Oh, yeah. It was a joke. So it it really was a joke. Like we could not move the ball. We're getting blown out fifty six to six, right? Yeah. And so. I would say I would I would give the offense I you know to be honest I'm giving these offensive coaches all B pluses and A minuses. Yeah, they'll have bad performances, but you have to look at what you inherit. And I think the good thing is is that this staff has brought hope and I get that because there's a lot of people who are like, "Well, we're still bad." And we're still frustrated because we can see that there's times where we look really good offensively. We look really good. Like we yeah. go we go Right, we go score for score with anybody, and I like that. And then there's times where the old offense seems to come back, but I really think he's, that Coach Lingrid has put us in the right position to like be successful for the future. And it, it's true. I mean, you look at it running, you know, stat wise, and we're probably way better than we were last year. We put up way more points than we did last year, and now it's now. And I, and I get that trick play, Andrew, when I say that because think about it. If if the, if it works. Right. Oh, people are, yeah. yeah. Like, well, people are like, "Wow, what a great call!" Right. And it ha- it's that's just how college football is. There's people who listen and and watch, and they're like, "Man, that play was stupid. Why would you call that?" But if it worked, I guarantee you, whoever said it was stupid is like, "What a genius!" Right. Yeah. Same thing with the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. You know, however long ago, when instead of running the ball, they pass it. Right. Say the passing play works. Everyone's like, "Wow, what a great call!" Because they're probably going to stack the box, which they were. Right. New England stacks the box and. Marshawn Lynch gets stuffed. They're like, well, you know, why aren't you just passing the ball? Maybe you could do a trick play and whatever, whatever. But, you know, if that passing play works instead of that interception and you score that touchdown and you put it away, right, then everyone's happy. But it didn't work. Now it's now it's like one of the most controversial calls ever in football because you have Marshawn Lynch. But if he gets stuffed, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But that's what I'm trying to say is offensively, I think that we do have an identity now. And so yeah. – if I'm Coach Smith, I'm not too worried about the offense because you're right, Angie. Once you get the horses in there, it looks like the offensive guys give a shit, and they, you know, and it really looks like they do. You got great running backs, you got a good receiving core, and you can only add to that. You got some star players with Hodgins, and you lose Timmy Hernandez, which is big. You know, hats off to Timmy; he had a great career. But you still have Trayvon Bradford. You get some new guys coming in too. Hopefully, you pick up some JUCO guys too. So I'm feeling good about that. I I feel way better about the offense than the defense. But yeah, um, completely. Can, way way better. Not to mention the guys, the transfer guys you got coming in. Right, you got a quarterback. Yeah. You're feeling pretty good. But yeah, that. De- but defensively, we have we we got to figure something out. We got to burn the house down and build it back up <laughs> because that is bad. Yeah. But Angie, I don't know if you want to add anything else before we no, get some I damn mean, questions you know, in. It's- the first year's done, and I, you know, honestly, I think going forward now, we have this body of work. We we see what the staff has done, and you know, now honestly is where I think the true year zero is over, and now is where the true evaluation of the staff and and what they can do um, comes into play. Because I have so many more questions and things I'm going to be watching over the next six months than I did last year. Because last year, you know, it was like it was so much about changing the culture. You know, I mean, remember how broken this team was last year? Oh, yeah, it was horrible. Awful. So in that regard, I don't want to be all doom and gloom. What Smith and his his staff have done in that amount of time and changing the culture and guys wanting to play for him and wanting to play football and 
it's, it's been huge. That's done now. And now I think everyone is waiting to see now improvement, like market improvement. We saw improvement on the offense, yes. But the defense was way worse than I expected. I mean, this was worse than a Kevin Clune defense, and I didn't think it could be worse than that. So um, <laughs> I hate saying that, but so now, you know, over the next, you know, three to six months, it's going to be huge. So, you know, early signing period starts December 19th. That'll be big. You know, Oregon State picked up a new offensive line commitment um, just on on Friday, right before the game. So that was big. Um, one of their really highly regarded players, a, a kid, Rob Vanderlaan at a Diablo Valley JC, who he graduated high school with a 4.0 early. He graduated at age, age 17 this past spring and didn't have any offers, went to the junior college route, and now has been all-league, unanimous selection, all-league, all-bay area at Diablo Valley. Um, Oregon State and Eastern Michigan had offered, but a lot of other schools were starting to come into play, and uh, he visited this weekend and committed. So um, that's big. You know, this is someone that Coach Mahalachek has handpicked, and that is one coach on the staff that I trust completely. I think Coach Mahalachek, I, I don't think, he knows what it takes to win at this level and uh, knows the type of players he needs. So that is a big, big get for Oregon State, even if his offer sheet doesn't doesn't necessarily show it. But, you know, this this next couple months with recruiting is going to be huge. Um, I look for some more transfers, potentially. I look for some junior college players. And then I also look, you know, what, what's the, what this early signing period has done is classes will fill up at some of the bigger schools. So what happens is you have had these guys that are kind of waiting to see if there's room for them at, you know, the USC's, the Notre Dame's, the University of Washington, the Stanford's, they're waiting to see if there's spots available. And if those schools fill up with better players, then they're looking for a home. And that's, you know, Oregon State's being smart by not filling up their class right now in December. So they'll have, you know, they'll fill half their class here in December, and then they'll fill the rest of it in the February signing period. Right. So um, lots of excitement. You know, that's, I mean, we, we don't have a bowl game to look forward to and cover, but um, recruiting is going to be, really really busy right now the next couple months right and angie this is so that's a good you know a good for the for the coach's point of view right you want to you want to go and um you want to make sure you get the guys who are going to give a shit i should say yeah yeah (laughs) unfortunately but um now from the player's point of view i could say that this is what they need to do and you first of all need to find a leader on defense. I think Jalen Moore, Hamaka Rashid, these kind of guys are they're the right leaders, and I I think they will do it. Is they're gonna have, you know you have to call some people out. You're gonna have to let them know like, hey man, listen, I'm telling this coach that your position group sucks, and I know that for a fact because players do do that. So say the defensive line. If I'm Jalen, I'm saying, listen, coach, the defensive line is bad, and yeah. so I want you, you know I'm gonna hold these guys accountable and find. You know, if they're not going to work hard and they just want to right be overweight, not work out, whatever they want to do, then I'm going to let you know. And people are going to call that a snitch or whatever. But I don't see at that point. At this point, I wouldn't care. Like I just want, I just want to be good, right? I just yeah. want a defense to be good. And so you have to do whatever you can. Like if someone is not going to care, then you have to get them out because now is the time where this is where you start to get the horses that you want, right? If you're the coaching staff, mm-hmm. so you're let like. You call a defensive meeting, offensive meeting, whatever, a, a whole team meeting, and I know people will say, oh, team meetings always work. No, they don't, but you have to be realistic and say, listen, you if you guys aren't going to give a shit, then I'm going to let the coaches know who gives a shit and who doesn't. As snitching it and whatever as that sounds, I just want to win. Because at some point, 
it has to be more than being the cool guy on campus. And yeah. so you have to do the extra stuff. You got to watch more film. And when I say watch film, I don't mean just stare at a damn screen. I mean, or do your homework. Yeah, or do like whatever you do, you have to watch film and understand <laughs> football. Like what you're watching. It's, it's just they need to figure something out, Angie. They need to. Yeah, and and, and hit the weight room because what we saw, especially on defense, were guys that could not get off of tackles, get off of blocks, and. At some level, that comes down to strength. Yep, and it, it just comes down to your give-a-shit factor. It does. Yeah, if you yeah care, you're right. If you care, you're going to find a way to get better. If you don't care, then you're not. And, you know, frankly, that's that's exactly what it is. So you better find a way to get better because if not, you bet your ass Coach Smith is already finding people. He's already thinking, like, okay, this guy hasn't produced for me. I'm getting someone else. And, I, I you know, he's a competitor. You can tell he's competitive. And he talks about it. And that's the kind of stuff, right? You have to be the nice guy in front of everybody else. But when it comes down to it, if he wants to win some games, then you got to get the right players, and you have to get players who care. But, uh, Angie, is it time for some damn questions? It is. Damn questions are brought to you by Body of Health Chiropractic and Wellness Center. Dr. Jason Young has been the chiropractor for Oregon State Athletics since 2011. Go to yourbodyofhealth.com for more information. Okay, Marcus, so I am ready to get started with some questions. Are you ready? Yes, ma'am. Let's do it. Okay, awesome. We have um, a question here. Besides Christian Wallace, do you logically see any potential transfers out of here? Uh, Angie, I per- I don't think anyone would really transfer just because, or it, I mean, people will transfer. That's, no, there will be some. There yeah, always it, is. Yeah, the, how it, it's how it goes, right? There's just people who think that there's some people who fit, some people who don't. You know, maybe they like the fit, maybe they like their situation, maybe they don't. So. It's really up to them, but as of right now, I don't see anyone, you know, who gets, you know, a significant amount of playing time that will transfer. But there, but that's but that's where you see the guys that might transfer are the guys that aren't seeing the playing time. You know, guys like I'm talking about that, you know, no matter what they did, they weren't playing this year. Yeah. Maybe they, they look at their options, and maybe they decide they love it here, and this is where they want to be. But um, you have that. You always have some guys with grades that um, – potentially could look elsewhere, but we will be on top of it. Believe us. We uh, keep our ears pretty close to the ground. So we'll keep you guys posted. Marcus, I have another one for you. Yep. Let's hear it. We actually kind of talked about this, but you didn't give me your thoughts. Why is the running game more effective when Blount was in over Luton? That's so interesting to me. And I, 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 I mean, is it because Jake, I mean, they know Jake's not going to run the ball. Yeah. I mean, that might be it. So in that case, then yeah, you just, like and you, it gives you an extra defender. Then. Yeah, it does. But it's just so interesting because I feel like that should never be a thing, right? Because we – I mean, because even when Connor was in, he didn't run a lot is a problem. No. But you know that he could. So that – you know, you're right. That's probably the reason. But it's just so interesting because you're right. Like, when Connor's in, the run game is – it's killing it, right? They're they're going crazy and everything like that. It's probably – you're right just because you have to have someone always keyed on on Connor because he can run the ball. And so that does stress out defensive coordinators, but I don't know. I wish I had an answer for that, Angie. This might be one of the first ones I don't have, like, a solid answer for. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been kind of puzzling to me as well, but just something to, you know, kind of wonder. Here's one that's interesting, and it's probably more for me. Big 132 says, regarding recruiting, and, and, you know, we've talked a lot about recruiting and the stars and who – I don't go go off of stars as much as other offers. I think that's important. Um, regarding recruiting, in 2018, nine of the commits had zero Pac-5 offers. 
four of them only had one, and only Tago, Smalls, and Jefferson had more than four other offers. In 2019, six of our commits have zero pack, uh, Power 5 offers. Three of them have only one, and only Teron Madison and Omar Spates have more than four. Can we compete without getting the definite Power 5 kids? If not, how successful do we need to be with the borderline Power 5 kids to get them going? Um, and then he also kind of said, I've noticed a lot of our, or quite a few of our recruits do have elite schools, Ivy League and military academies. Is this a theme? So, yes, ultimately you want guys that the rest of the Pac-12 wants. End of the day, because that's, you know, the more Pac-12 schools or the more Power 5 schools that offer a kid, the more, you know, validation that that kid is. That kid is legit. A legit talent. I have worries when there's guys that, you know, Oregon State is their only Power 5 offer. That is concerning. And I, and I think that where, where you look then is you don't want your whole class made up out of guys like that. Um, and then you also need to look, you know, these guys are smart. You know, they obviously are smart when they have Ivy League or military academy offers. So, um, you know, you, if you are going to take a guy that maybe talent-wise isn't at the same level, if they're smart and work hard, Sometimes right. that is the X factor that you need. Yeah. Um, the stars aren't always huge, right? And Angie, you know I'm not super big on the stars. I know you don't, <laughs> I know you don't like the stars. I, I know you don't. Um, but, you know, you look at like a USC, for example. They have, they get the stars. They get the five and four star guys. But a lot of times what you can't have with a, a team full of those guys is the heart or the work factor. Um, and I, I'm not saying that it's not important, but at some level you need the guy that maybe has skill and that extra extra oomph. oh yeah certainly well, I mean, what we've seen with oregon state is a lot of guys that don't have any other power five offers we see a lot of coaching turnover so they're not getting the, the proper coaching and we're seeing too many guys leave so you know when, when we looked at this senior class that 2014 signing class had 27 guys that signed and only 11 of them are still here so in essence you know typically you're gonna have guys leave right but that is way too much attrition for when you want that senior leadership on a team. Um, but again, it's, it's talent too. You know, you're looking at guys that can't physically match up with some of these guys and it shows when you look at their offer sheet. Yeah. And I mean, that's when from there, if you're coach Smith, what you, I mean, and it's a whole process and that's why some coaches like to go to, uh, to go to the Juco route, excuse me, just because it's, you get guys who, you know they have the ability. They're phys- You know they have the physical ability, um, and they can come in and play right away. And then so from there, sometimes that, though, and that the yeah. JUCO is not a, a fail-safe method either. And right. so many, it, it used to be so much so under recruited, so undermined that the K states of the world really made a living off of recruiting the, the best JUCOs. But now everyone recruits JUCOs. So again, it goes back to, to offers because it's not you're not going to find those hidden. JUCO guys necessarily as often as you did maybe even 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Right. And then from there, you do, I mean, it really comes down to if you win games, people want to go there. Right. And exactly. so that, that's, and that's the thing too, because that's why when I was getting recruited, I was looking at, you know, I had UW was calling me all the time, but they, they you know, they are kind of how Oregon state was now. Right. I, was yeah, like, I just yeah. don't want to go there because they're not winning. Right. And then Oregon state, that's when, you know, we came off uh, some good seasons. I think we finished nine and three or something like that. And I was like, you know, that's like, those are the kind of teams I want to go to. I want to go to a, a, a team that's going to be ranked every year. It's going to compete and win some games because obviously winning is what everyone wants, you know? And that's why 
Oregon State, we got those Brandon Cooks and we got those, you know, those Sean Mannions because we were winning games, right? And then so from there, you have to win games and you have to find ways to come out with wins because at some point you can't keep selling kids on, well, you're going to come here and play right away as a freshman because we're not very good, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I hope I hope they, sw- they turn it around, though. Well, that's, that's just it. It's been too long. And at some level, you know, every year we talk hope. Oh, I hope next year we're better. Oh, I hope next year. I hope. I hope. And at some level, hope's running out for Beaver fans. Absolutely. So, um, um, This one made me laugh, actually. Go Beaver 2000 says, is there a chance OSU gets kicked out of the Pac-12 when the current TV contract with Fox ESPN expires? I have to believe other conference members are tired of sharing money with a program that is not committing proper funding to their most visible sport. Um, there's been some stories I've seen, but it's not just Oregon State. Washington State is is one of the smaller members, and the, the presidents aren't going to let that happen. Oregon State, if, if anything, they're going to need to add members to the conference and make it a 16, um, a, a 16 person conference. Yeah, I don't, I mean, <laughs> I get it. Like when you lose that bad and you lose so many, like so many times, you really think that it's, it's just the fact that it's the conference. But I mean, Oregon state's been successful in this conference. Like it can be done. Let's be real. It, it can be done because people are saying the same thing. What a couple years ago with Arizona, right. And, and Washington state, Colorado, and then now look at them, right? They win games. It's just the fact that college football is just, it's a roller coaster. And for some teams, it's, it's a, it's a long way down and then it's a long way back up, right? And then so, so uh, and for other teams, it's not because you have the, you have the USC's who have LA and all the kids want to go there and play there and all that. But you have to realize it's not a flip of the switch. And Angie, I'm not trying to get off track with the damn questions, but it's so frustrating to me. And we've talked about this plenty of times. It's Coach Smith's first year. Yeah. Do we really did we really expect anything less? Like I didn't expect the defense to be this bad, but I didn't expect them to be good, right? Yeah. And it's like you people have to understand that when a coaching staff comes in, he's not going to wave a magical wand or as soon as he steps foot on campus, the players are going to be like, oh, okay, well, yeah, let's go win some games now. No, it takes time. We have to give him time. We can't be on Coach Smith and his staff's head twenty four seven. Because he needs time to develop. Like we don't, time. we don't realize how bad Coach A left it. He yeah. left it really bad. Like at, like really, really bad with everything. <laughs> and so, from there, it's not like some guy can come in and fix it just like that. Angie. Well, what, and I think what I think what he was kind of referring to too is there's a really good thread on Beaver Blitz, and and this is something I Beaver fans I think are kind of scattered amongst several different different message boards, but this is worth reading, and it's really important. Um, and it, it's in response to expenditures on football, and and this could be a total podcast in its own in its own realm. But you know, Beaver Beaver Blitz members will know OSU Prof been around a long time, professor at Oregon State, and he really keeps tabs of the amount of budget that Oregon State allocates from the athletic department to football alone, okay? So I think what he was talking about is the bottom line, and I'm reading this from his, so Scott Barnes was quoted as saying in a a Kerry Agers article that 90% of your revenues come from football directly and indirectly. So 90% of revenue in an athletic department is coming from football, some some way. But here's the bottom line, according to Prof. OSU football slice of the athletic department pie has shrunk from 30.2% to 18.9%, while the average expenses allocated to football among our competitors in Power 5 programs has remained a constant at 28%. 
Jeez. So, you know, it says if that's not important, then why does Alabama lead the nation in the size of athletic departments spending pie that is committed to football, while OSU and Kansas have the smallest? Well, yeah, and that's, I mean, frankly, Angie, that's it, right? If you're willing I mean, to... You know, and he, and he, has a, he even has a graph. I mean, Beaver Blitz, I'm, I'm telling you, we keep you guys smart. He has a whole graph here that follows along year to year showing that the falling investment in football has shown to a loss of competitive, competitiveness in the sport. I mean, it's, very, very yeah. interesting. So like I told you guys, you got to get into Beaver Blitz. You got to check this out. Um, use that Cyber Monday, half off your annual subscription. It's well worth it. And Marcus even posts his thoughts from time to time. I do. I finally got the got my message board back <laughs> and working again, so I'm actually a part of the team again. But uh, Angie, do you have a do you have one more question for us? Um, I do. Let me grab that. I, I switched over there because I, I knew after I read that question, I was like, I think he's going kind of a different direction with that. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think it's important that Beaver fan kind of gets the idea and gets into the lodge because it's way too much for one podcast. But it's it's. it's Total enthralling reading. Well, I mean, like, I mean, maybe there. we can talk about that sometime. Yeah, it might be in a pod in, in December, um, January. Um, but well, somebody's asking. Uh, Matt Chiafoni's asking if we could possibly get uh, AD Barnes on the podcast, and that's something we will work on. Um, let's see. No, actually, I think. Okay, here this this is back to the defense, and this is this is interesting. Um, here for the Beavers says from Kerry Ager's article regarding the defense. So this was from Coach Smith's post game press conference, and I'm just reading the quote that they posted here, which um, it, they were asking about changing up the defense to stop the run, and Smith says. It was disappointing because I thought we did. We felt like they were going to run the ball either way with the lead. We made an we we made an emphasis on being aware of the run game. Okay, mm-hmm. so at halftime they made an emphasis on being aware of the run game. The Beavers didn't do it formatically at least, um, and then we they you know they ran for 251 yards after the intermission. Question: I want to believe in the staff, but how can we if they did not make adjustments? When we had Andre Murray saying after the game that no adjustments were made, is that just a you know? I mean, you you've been in halftime locker room halftimes. Uh-huh. I mean, I think it's probably pretty chaotic. So Coach Smith says yes. We we put an emphasis. We told them to em- place an emphasis on watching for the run. Andre says they didn't change up the defense. Well, Can you do both? Uh, I mean, I would say that's just. I mean, is it bad communication? Is it's, it? It's either yeah, bad communication or it's, it's, and a lot. Of, it's, <laughs> I keep saying it, it's. It's just hard to figure out. Like, really, I don't want to say what to do, but this is what I'm saying. How can we always put it on the coaching staff when, if they, if you do make adjustments, and this is what I'm trying to get people to understand is that they do make adjustments. Yeah, you can make adjustments. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, yeah. as a coach, I could say, Marcus, you're gonna, you know. You're yeah. going to start rushing the A gap, and that doesn't mean that Marcus is going to be able to rush the A gap. Right, and that's what I'm saying is that we don't. And when I break down the film, you could see, and Angie, it's even on Beaver Blitz, right, where you have Peter yeah. Peter Osborne and all those guys kind of break down the the grades for a lot of people, and you do that yourself too. Is these guys? There's times where, yeah, if even if it, they're in the right position, they don't make the play, and that's what I'm saying is that. We can't always put it on the coaching staff, and maybe it's a lack of communication from both sides, but if let's be real. If the head coach says, yes, we're making adjustments, right, and he says, we made adjustments to do this, and the defense say the defensive coordinator says, yes, we made adjustments. I don't know if he did, regardless. 
But then the player comes out and says, no, we didn't make adjustments. Are you sure? Like the head coach isn't going to get up there and lie and say, no, we, we didn't. I mean, yeah, we made adjustments, and then we don't actually make adjustments. Because when you watch that game, you're like, Okay, it doesn't even matter what the coach is called because yeah, nobody yeah. can tackle. It was so bad. It was so bad. Yeah. I mean, it was like beyond. I mean, I'm sure Coach Smith, after that game, went and watched the film and was like, what the? Yeah. And. But you're right. I mean, and you've said this to me, Marcus. You've talked to me off the ledge a few times when you're like, coaches can't get out and wrap up and make tackles for them. You know, I mean, it can't happen. Yeah. Can't I mean, get out their box. it's true. I mean, if these, and that's why I'm saying, I put it, I'll always put it more on the player than the coach. But when the coaches are bad, I'll let you guys know. But <laughs> but it's just, I think too many times we put it on coaches and we're like, listen, like, like don't get me wrong, that last time there was a lot, there was a lot wrong, <laughs> as we all know, Angie. But if you have players who just can't make the plays, like the coach, like Coach Tibazar and, and Coach Bray can't be out there making the tackles. I mean, it's just realistic, right? There's a reason why they're the coaches. And yeah, they're getting paid a lot of money, but even in practice, you could do everything right in practice and then just get the dead thousand-yard stare in a game, which a lot of players get, right? You're like, you get too nervous, whatever it is. And so that's why I'm saying is they probably did make adjustments, just the players didn't make the plays, and they played bad. Let's be real. Yeah. They played bad, and the coaches didn't coach great. So I think we could be done talking about – Yeah, so let's move on. Next week we're going to talk recruiting. Yes, let's talk recruiting. Play- <laughs> Next week, it's going to be all recruiting. And who is that? We got a – I actually watched some film on – Offensive lineman, Robin Vanderlaan. Vanderlaan, L-A-A-N is how you spell the last name. Some Beaver Blitz, go check it out. Great kid. Um, you know, he even gave me the heads up on uh, – he, he had told me on Tuesday um, that he didn't see himself committing. It was a second trip. He made an unofficial visit um, and then came up on his official – and he had told me, I said, well, can you see yourself committing on your trip? And he said, no, I'll probably wait till Monday. I want to go home and sleep on it. And then Friday morning, I was just getting ready to leave the house to head down to Civil War. And he texted me and he said, hey, I just committed to the staff. Um, so um, if you could just wait till I announce it on social media. And I said, perfect. You know, let's get a quote here and took care of, you know, writing a story and waited till he announced. But, you know, here's this guy that he, he loves Coach Polachek. And He's 6'5", 270 right now. I know some Beaver fans were a little skeptical on size. He's going to graduate, or he's a full qualifier, so he'll be done in December. We'll be with the team in January. And that six months is plenty of time for him to add 20, you know, 20 pounds yeah. um, off season. Yeah, so. five that... long wingspan, offensive tackle, and Coach Mahalachek said he can come in and compete for a starting spot immediately. Perfect. See, that's the stuff you want. You want, the, you want players that are playing right now to be uncomfortable. So that's yep. that's nice. But uh, before we go, Angie, there was that defensive lineman. What was his name? Was it was it Evan? Evan's, Evan Bennett. That kid. Yes, is good. Oh my goodness! Give me he a break. He is another one graduating early. He will be here in December. Goes to Matter Day. You know, powerhouse down in Orange County. He will be here in January. He'll be yeah. signing on December nineteenth. Anybody still listening? Go watch that kid <laughs> because Angie, I watched that and I was like, "Give me a break!" And I remember watching the game. I was like, "Oregon State is getting that guy. Like that yep. is that is a guy that you're that Oregon State. That's a steal right there. Like that yep. is a steal because watching him, like because they just played St. John." Is it St. John Bosco? St. John yep. Bosco, right? And another powerhouse. Yeah, and they're a powerhouse. And he killed it. Like yes. tossing D one linemen like it was nothing. Yeah. I, was like, I mean both those schools are private schools and they are stacked. 
right. top to bottom, both of them. And he was playing his mind out. So that's that's yeah. that's the positive note I'm going to drop before we get out of here. But um, Angie, do you have anything else to add? I don't. I just want to. Hey, Marcus, it's been fun, but I'm excited because we're going to keep this thing going. It's yes. not over, you guys. We're back next week to talk recruiting. And again, thank you to our two sponsors. It's the first year we've had sponsors, and you guys um, are awesome. And then also. Just a quick shout out because last week we had told people to tell us about the tailgates. Um, we were going to stop by and I have to apologize because traffic became, well, I was slow getting out of town because of that commitment. So um, my plans to leave early and get down to Corvallis um, to stop by some tailgates got a little sidetracked because I was working on writing a commitment story. Um, and then Marcus, you had a little accident and I you did. couldn't make it. So um, I know one of our listeners who was waiting for us with hot cocoa, his special beaver hot cocoa. I, next time I promise um, because I, I missed it, but um, no, it was kind of a, a whirlwind, like get through traffic, get to our spot, get up to the box, poor Marcus checking on Marcus. And then um, yes, I got in a car accident for those wondering, I am perfectly okay, but it was just icy. I unfortunately slid off the road along with some other cars and so we what happens when you're from prineville i know that's this know. yeah that's my problem when you go from prineville to prineville try to get to corvallis, corvallis and you have yeah. a little beamer it's it's <laughs> it, was it doesn't not, work. yeah it was but anyway i just wanted to, to shout out to all of our listeners out there and remember i know probably nobody's still listening um oh and, and we got some great comments and feedback so i know some of you guys were listening to last week's damn podcast on your way over you know way to corvallis from all over and i appreciate we appreciate your guys's comments and appreciate you guys listening. So um, this couple of days after Thanksgiving, I just want to say I'm super thankful for you. Thankful for your membership at Beaver Blitz because yeah, we're a small business and that's, you know, we rely on, on you guys. So you're supporting a small business and um, it, it's fun to do what we do. Yes. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the damn podcast with your host, Marcus Reeves and Angie Machado. Angie, we'll be back next week and we will talk recruiting y'all.